When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martini. It's a bird, it's a plane, and uh, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, we're going to pick up right where we left off way back in, I want to say, off the top of my head, episode eight. Feels like episode eight. That feels about right to me. When we looked at the historic Death of Superman storyline, well, today we're going to be looking at the aftermath of that storyline, a little story called Funeral for a Friend from DC Comics. To look at that with me, to look at this morose tale, I got the most morosest motherfucker I know here. My co-host, the ever-loving Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what's happening, man? Mark, I feel like we never really give uh, Superman much of a positive spin. We usually give him the raw deal. You know, he's usually either walking lonely across America, uh, lecturing drug dealers, or he's dead, or he's been framed for a crime he didn't commit, or something like that. Rarely do we cover something, something super, super cheery, but, you know... Tales like this do have a, a special special place in my heart. It's the stuff I remember reading as a kid thinking, wow, comics can be more, and so can Superman. So glad we're glad we're following up from uh, what what did we call it last year? Was it Death Sember? Oh yeah, we did do a Death Sember, didn't we? It was something That was so hardcore. <laughs> We did like Horror Tober, where we covered a bunch of uh, you know, like Halloween theme stuff in October. Spooktober, yeah. Spooktober, yeah. An all death December. So because we're yeah, we're that's just how cheery we are, you know. <laughs> Bring brightness and happiness upon our fans. So we talk about death a lot. So today we're gonna talk about a death that already occurred occurred and the aftermath to that death in the DC universe. This, of course, uh, I own, not only do I own these original issues at home, bagged and boarded properly, unlike the Fuck It Pile. Of course, you can hear some tales from the Fuck It Pile by joining the Second Print Patreon over at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. That show, of course, is where I dive in to some books from my Fuck It Pile, a box of comics that had no bags, no boards. I don't even know why they're all in there, but I grabbed some from my comic stash in Connecticut, and I've been going through those on the Patreon, a bunch, including a bunch of other amazing content, including uh, what if reviews that Remzo and our friend Caleb Fran have been do- friends have been doing uh, just so much fun over there for as little as five dollars a month. But 
That being said, now that I've had that natural, naturally occurring plug, Remzo, that was in no way planned, we can move on to today's story, Funeral for a Friend. This is continuing the format, uh, essentially, of the Death to Superman storyline, which was bouncing between, like, four different Superman titles. Uh, So we're just continuing through the four titles, as we will do with the World Without Superman slash Funeral for a Friend story that takes place after the Death of Superman. That continues into Reign of the Superman, which we will get, get basically four different supermen type creatures or beings or what have you that are sort of jockeying for the position of the one true superman in metropolis and then eventually of course spoiler alert it will all lead to the reign of super the return of superman and this this took place over the course of i think like close to if not a full year across all the superman titles in dc comics uh so some might call it a gimmick it certainly was a gimmick uh meant to drive sales to dc and it was a gimmick that certainly worked as well uh but it was really it was not a flash in the pan storyline it was really a long, drawn out, and in many ways, you know, d- depending on your, your your viewpoints on how it all came out, it was a, it was a well thought out storyline anyway. Whether you like how it was thought out, it was at least thought out. It was just not like a, a death, and then ne- the next issue, Superman just appears again, and, and all is well. There is more to it than that, and uh, we'll dive into it today. But first, Remzo, I got to ask you, what is your history with the storyline? I know you read the Death of Superman back when you were you know a lot younger when you first got into your fanhood, but had you continued with with any of this post-death storyline at the time? I, I kind of read everything out of order because I was trying to find the tradebacks. I read Death of Superman, then I read Reign of the Supermen, then I went back and read Funeral for a Friend, and then eventually I read everything in, in its proper order. But, you know, a lot of people criticize the series for being too long for being kind of, you know, all over the place at times and, you know, for for, for appearing like a cash grab in many cases, because as you mentioned, it followed the same format of death of Superman, where you had to collect a whole bunch of the other ongoing Superman titles to understand it. But like to its credit though, like we're still talking about this now and we'll probably, you know, people will probably still be talking about this 10 years from now. And really it's one of the quintessential Superman stories, because to be quite honest, and we've covered some, some great Superman stories here and there over time, like public enemies is my favorite uh, team up story of all time. We covered Superman, Batman, public enemies uh, about like five, six months ago, but like, I can't really tell you, a prominent Superman story arc before death of Superman. It's like death of Superman came and it really revitalized the character and changed things for the next three decades. So as much as people might be maybe 50, 50 on this whole era of Superman from the death to the resurrection, like to say that it's not important uh, would, would also not be true. So I'm glad that, you know, over time people tend to soften their opinion of it. Yeah, and I will say before we dive in, uh, it was episode 20 of this podcast that we did our full breakdown of the Death to Superman storyline. I'd highly recommend if you're new to the show, if you weren't around back then, click pause right now. Click back to episode 20. Listen to that because we're going to pick up literally, quite literally, one panel later, right after Superman is uh, declared dead. We pick up over in The Adventures of Superman number 498. This one is written by Jerry Ordway, pencils by Tom Grummet. And uh, the very first panel is a splash page that, again, it picks off right from Superman 75, which featured the death of Superman. Uh, Remzo, did you ever, have you ever had a copy of the bagged, uh, the bagged Superman uh, black? black cover death issue complete with armband no because i don't want to pay like 70 bucks for it oh right because you had because you were uh yeah because you couldn't get that at stores yeah not a lot. i was a swimmer <laughs> uh well i did i did get that at the time so 
there you go. Just another another book in the stash uh, back in Connecticut. Someone was selling an awesome con two weeks ago as of the time people are listening to this. And like for, for the price of that one comic, I ended up getting, you know, Web of Spider-Man issue one. I got Spawn issue one, like the bagged and board thing. It's like I know one day if I just wait enough I'll be able to get the the black poly bag and everything. I just didn't. I like paying seventy dollars for that. It's like I've gotten trade back. They printed so many. I know that if I went online right now, I could get it way way cheaper. All the more reason to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash second. <laughs> this guy's got a wedding coming up. Uh, he, you know, he could use the extra cash to try to afford this, this, uh, this book that I was able to pay just like four dollars. Please help me buy more comics. I'm a starving child. Because that's what we need. Uh, so yeah, uh, moving in. Uh, like I said, the first page. Lois Lane is holding Superman. She is bawling. She is sad. Why? She didn't even. She wasn't married to this guy or engaged to this guy. This is just some superhero. It's not like her. Her. You know, her fiance or anything like that. Of course, uh, as will be referenced throughout. Uh, we got. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, Jimmy Olsen is still shocked. Again, this just take pl- takes place moments after Superman's death in Superman number seventy-five. Uh, man, who would who would have thought this guy was still hanging around? Bloodwind is there. Uh, uh, and Blood- Bloodwind says he is dead. Uh, but who the fuck is Bloodwind? Notes Jimmy Olsen. He's like, why Why the fuck should we listen to this guy? This is Superman. And I don't even know who this guy, this fucking Bloodwind guy is. And with good reason, Jimmy, because Bloodwind doesn't matter. He never has mattered. And his appearance in the Death Super- to Superman storyline and his brief appearance in this issue is about the most that Bloodwind ever did and ever will matter. Do you have any thoughts on Bloodwind? Hashtag Bloodwind doesn't matter. (laughs) And then we go to a big two-page panel, which while I am reading this right now, just so we're on the same uh, page, so to speak, since we're both reading the same digital version uh, for the purposes of this podcast, I did actually read these on the trade paperback that I will show you and you alone, Remzo, because we don't have this, but... But yeah, I, I actually bought this paperback. I don't know why I bought this. Maybe just to have easier access to it because I do own all these issues. But I've, this is a tradeback that came out, you know, actually, like, I don't think too long after these initial issues were published. But yeah, this is it's times like this. I do re- realize, like, sometimes there's a reason it is a lot better to have the books besides just the feel, the smell and all that. Having this actual two page huge panel of uh, Doomsday laid out here, it just translates a lot cooler in the tradeback than when they have to kind of squeeze it down to the digital version. We, we saw a difference when we did Ultimate Spy. Spider-Man way under back because in the print graphic novel I had as Ultimate Spider-Man issue one, it cut out a scene where our friend Ben Stein is Peter Parker's um, oh, right. econ teacher. And I didn't realize that until I was reading the digital version. <laughs> Parker. Parker. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, moving along. Uh, yeah, everyone's dead. Everyone's sad. Everyone's upset. And there are all these uh, different forces there, kind of uh, trying to check everything out. So there's uh, there's these people from the Cadmus Project there, uh, including this. Um, what's this guy's name? Um, Dubalex, that's his name. Dubalex, this weird telepathic alien looking dude. He confirms, uh, through his telepathy powers that in both uh, Superman and Doomsday are in fact dead, at least according to this weird looking horned uh freak here. So I guess everyone's just gonna take his word for it for now. Um, Turpin, who's like this, you know, he's like this hard nosed sort of you know, uh, detective uh, in Metropolis. Uh, he is pretty bummed out and he actually, while he's kind of you know, you know, slumming around the 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 uh the man i'm I'm having trouble with words today what do you call it where there's a bunch of stuff from buildings that that fell construction yard no No. scrap yard the rubbish the rubbish the trash place i was looking for the word the garbage space he's walking around the, the rubbish and he finds this gross disgusting 
purple creature that really confounded you when we when we read the Death of Superman storyline, who is actually Supergirl, um, or this version of the '90s Supergirl. Who do you do? I, do you need me to recap? Please, God, no. Supergirl, <laughs> no. Okay, she exists, and it's not Kara. Yes, it's not really the cousin of Superman. It's this weird shapeshifty creature that Lex, that this version of Lex Luthor, who is a whole another rabbit hole as well, kind of uh, yeah. He's slopping it, and and yeah, it's it's a whole weird thing. But uh, anyway, yeah, if you want to hear the full breakdown of that stuff again, go back and listen to episode twenty of this podcast. But yes, uh, Turpin finds this gross <laughs> Supergirl, uh, and uh, then uh, Lex Luthor comes up, and you know he's taking off his jacket, and he's <laughs> he's he he. he wraps her in a blanket I, I say her but it looks like it's just this purple uh like raisin creature now and, and it's really gross and he just wraps her in his jacket and, and carries her off and calls her my love because oh by the way this version of lex luther is not only young not only has red hair not only does karate uh but he is also australian so what <laughs> i'm not gonna go into why all that is but that that's the how did i miss that detail so just just picture an australian accent on on this version of lex luther why just because comedy. the 90s are so weird the 90s are very weird uh, meanwhile a lot of these guys like guardian and such they're just not accepting that superman is dead so they're still trying to like to revive him uh trying to uh, figure out how they can bring him back to life um there's also a reference here i don't know if you noticed this there is a reference in this uh panel to the fact that superman was once shot by a kryptonite bullet by by who Remzo? blood sport by Bloodsport, as referenced in the Suicide Sky. Blah, wow. The thing, man, the thing. English and I are having issues this week, as referenced in the Suicide Squad film, which we discussed on last week's Second Print Potpourri episode. I'm going with that loose title. I dig it. Until we get some more suggestions. All right. But yeah, basically, uh, let's see. Lois is, uh, they overhear Lois telling Jimmy to uh, like just ask Clark to contact the doctor and then realizes like, oh, fuck, Clark. Oh, yeah, Clark is Superman. Shit, I'm sad again. Because <laughs> uh, she's, you know, she's, she's double, she's going through like double emotion here because obviously she knows, as does the reader, as does anyone with two freaking, like, you know, two eyes, knows that Superman is Clark Kent, but she asks act like she doesn't so when someone mentions clark kent when all this stuff is going on yeah, like they're just referencing shortly after this they're just referencing like Cl clark kent as being missing so every time they're talking about clark kent they're always like oh what's wrong with lois why is she acting all bummed out <laughs> it's like i don't know because her fucking husband just died but you know you guys don't know that because he puts on glasses when he comes to the office so it's the it's the it's the clark kent thing which is always absurd but always makes me laugh in comics so i'll roll with it you know Meanwhile, let's see the the Kents are uh, we see the Kents in Kansas and they are they're kind of clinging to hope. Uh, we also got a brief scene in here, I should say, from this guy who's like at his house seeing the news about Superman and he gets pissed off. You know, his son grabs the remote and like, changes the channel to these cartoons. Uh, he gets all mad and, and grabs this helmet and throws at the TV. This is the helmet of the gangbuster. All right, Ramzo, ready for a pop quiz? What can you tell me about the gangbuster? He doesn't matter much either. <laughs> all right that's remzo's summary of the of the gangbuster and it's accurate it is entirely accurate uh but yeah back to the kents they are holding out hope they're just kind of consoling each other watching this on tv in kansas kind of just stunned um but you know they keep praying that you know papa pa kent is like we're gonna keep praying to the lord for our boy ma because hey man this is superman this is their boy this is their weird alien boy that just showed up one day in a rocket ship and god damn it he's not gonna die by some other weird alien freak just killing him on tv that's not not how it's gonna happen uh meanwhile back at lex corp uh, it's painful and it's difficult, but 
the Matrix, which is a, the name of this Supergirl, uses all her might and turns back into sexy Supergirl, which I, I imagine is is a you know much more to young Australian Lex Luthor Lex Luthor's liking here. Um, Cadmus shows up at the scene, and uh, what can you tell us about Cadmus, Renzo? They're basically like the they're kind of like a you know the evil scientists that are kind of backed by the feds in the Superman world. Yeah, so Cadmus is a joint venture between LexCorp, Star Labs, and the U.S. government. And Cadmus was specifically designed to create government uh, super soldiers to fight primarily against the Justice League, should the Justice League ever go evil. And then you have Argus, which is probably the closest thing to like Shield in the in the DC universe. It's probably the most generic way I could do it because there are a bunch of there are a bunch of spy agencies. So you've got Argus, who's more the militant side, and you've got Cadmus, who is the scientific side creating this stuff. Argus won't come about uh, for for a few years, but um, you know at this point, Cadmus is really creating all the super evil creatures to fight the Justice League should they ever go rogue. All right, indeed. Well. Uh, these spook guys, these feds are there, and uh, I believe this Westfield guy is associated with Cadmus. They are taking the body of Doomsday away because uh, this is an alien body, and I guess they have uh, a jurisdiction over it, or at least they believe they do. And there's all these arguments uh, between the, this, this, like these feds, basically, and the local cops, like Maggie Sawyer and Turpin. And Turpin just goes and wail. I love Turpin, by the way. He, he reminds me of a... Uh, Kind of like Harvey Bullock, I guess you could say. He's like the, the Metropolis Harvey Bullock. And uh, he's just got, you know, that 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 little, like, I don't know. What, what do you call those hats, Remzo? That fedora. That is a fedora. I guess, yeah, it's kind of a fedora. Okay, we'll go with it. He's where He wears a little fedora. Well, back when men wore hats and you could smoke on airplanes. Exactly, and not only could you smoke on airplanes, you were expected to smoke on airplanes. Man, I like I you you did not grow up during this time, but I, when I was a kid and went on airplanes, like you smoked on airplanes, like you would just be sitting next to people and they would just be smoking, and you could be a kid and it didn't matter, it was fine. They're just putting out their ashes right next to you, and it's so mind blowing that that is a thing. Um, do they still? I, th- I don't think they have them in many of the new planes now, but once in a while you're in a plane, you can still see the old no smoking sign. Mm-hmm. They would turn it on and off. You can only smoke at certain. Well, you, you could still see in like some old planes. I haven't seen them recently, but they have the little ashtrays in the armrests. Yeah, yeah. When I worked at the Wash, when I worked at the Washington Times, they legit had ashtrays built into the walls of the restrooms. <laughs> I'm like this is so Mad Men. That's great. Uh, yeah, but anyway, Turpin is old school. Turpin is like a very Mad Men-esque cop, you might say. And, and he just goes around with his suspenders on and his sleeves rolled up. And he just wails this vet right in the gut because he doesn't give a shit, man. Uh, he says, T-U-R-P-I-N. The boys call me terrible, though I don't know why. Uh, and yeah, basically, they're, just, they're all arguing about uh, the fact that these guys want to take uh, Superman's body. Uh, we also see another old Superman friend. Bibbo, it's Bibble, Bibbo, and this uh, professor dude uh, who they were trying to actually, uh, you know, take out Doomsday with this weird uh, weapon during the whole battle, which was it turned out to be pretty damn useless. But hey, they tried; they gave it their best shot. What do you think about Bibbo, Remzo? You a Bibbo fan? I'm a Bibbo fan. I've got a soft spot for him because he really is the type of person who believes in everything that Superman stood for when he was alive, and really, I think he is probably the closest person that the reader can connect to in terms of if I were a citizen of Metropolis, how would I see things? How would all of this affect me? Especially since he was like, other than Jimmy Olsen, you know, as he self-declared Superman's biggest fan. Yes, he's Superman's biggest fan. He's basically like the everyman of Metropolis. He's just, you know, just a regular guy, just a regular bloke who owns a bar. 
Uh, so yeah. yeah, even even the regular blokes in Metropolis own their own, you know, own their own buildings, man. You know, what a hoity-toity city that is. But but uh, Bilbo goes out and he has this giant uh, like defibrillator thing. And he is going to uh, try to, and he's wearing this like force field device to, to try to protect him, uh, but he's going to try to revive Superman. He is the one that's going to do it, and uh, basically he goes up and blasts Superman with this defibrillator. Is that what you call those things? Defibrillator? I'm not a doctor, Remzo. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Man, this is sad. This is like that that video online of that gorilla trying to resuscitate its pet cat that the zoo gave it, but he's just like ripping the cat more apart and stuff, and it's like if it wasn't dead before, it's dead now. God, reminds me of the Simpsons, the, that Simpsons meme. Stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that does not work. It just kind of blows Bibbo away. And uh, yeah, it's not working. So there, I think people are finally starting to realize, yes, Superman is in fact dead. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jimmy Olsen and Lois are are still just, you know, still doing the work there, still doing the work at the Daily Planet. Um, but yeah, but basically they are, they're now basically just accepting that Superman is in fact dead. And they're also saying like, oh, but, um, you know, where's Clark and all this? I, we still can't find Clark. So everyone's just like, ah, oh, man, Lois is all depressed. You know, she can't find Clark, but you know, she's got to get her job done. Got to write this article here. Got to write this story about Superman dying. Oh, what a rough day for Lois. She's still at work. She's at fucking work. Her husband just died. It was just murdered by this fucking giant, scary, scaly, bony alien on TV. And this woman is like an hour later at her job writing the fucking story about it. Can you believe that's that? hardcore? So what do you think about uh, just the initial aftermath here to the death of Superman? I'm glad that they didn't do a time jump. Like in the in the Captain America comics, it was kind of weird because when they kill Captain America in the Captain America title, they kept going as if it was day by day almost. But in all the other titles, like when we covered um, uh, Fallen Sun, way, way on your back, um, like it took place almost like some issues took place like the day of and others took place months out. So, you know, you create this kind of weird sense of like how much time has passed, how much can they really process? And I don't like it sometimes because what it does is it, it almost like feigns this idea of, Oh, they've already gone through like all the, all the stages of grief and stuff, but this is them going through it now. Like they, they didn't skip a beat when it came to this. As soon as he dies, they went on to like the next panel. Like they didn't skip a beat. And in that sense, when you see stuff like Bibbo trying to resuscitate him and Lois going back to work, like you almost feel for them because it's like, damn, like how would I respond to that? Yeah, you can really see them going through the immediate uh, reactions, especially where, like, I think for the majority of these characters, they they really can't accept that Superman's dead. You know, these they've known Superman for years. They've seen him come back from literally everything. And they're like, OK, there's no way he's really dead. Right. He's just kind of knocked out or something. So, you know, they're trying everything they can to bring him back uh, to confirm they're dead. He's dead. They actually like can't do a normal autopsy on them. I think this is what comes more in the next issue. But they actually can't do a normal autopsy on him because of the invulnerability of his body, which I thought I thought that was a pretty cool wrinkle. It, it wrinkled it reminded me of um, what's it called uh, in Secret War when um, when Luke Cage gets like blow, blasted away and he's in the hospital and, and it, they do something similar. They're like we can't even do surgery on him because of his invulnerable skin. So I always find that interesting when a character's powers kind of hinder the ability to do normal medical things to them. It's just it's little wrinkles like that that really pay attention to uh, you know to all aspects of a character's powers, not just the benefits of them but how having some of these powers could actually hinder those characters when you know when something bad befalls them and they can't you know normal normal human doctors just can't do their normal human doctor stuff 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those moments where it really kind of shows you how helpless everyone is in this situation. Because you got to think, like, these people, they, they live in a world where already fantastic elements and crazy shit exists. But when it comes to moments like this, it's like sometimes you really can't do something. And even though they're comic book characters and the writers can always find a way like they usually do, in moments like this, it just makes them feel even more helpless. All right, well, moving on to, uh, we're going to skip, there's a Justice League tie-in here that we're going to skip, but it's basically the Justice League version of this. It's, it's basically the Justice League uh, being sad and, and recovering from their own battle with Doomsday. So we're going to skip right in, over to the second official part of Funeral for a Friend, which is actually on this one, they call it Supergirl in Action Comics. So Supergirl in Action Comics, number 685. And uh, this one is written by good old Roger Stern and art by Jackson Geis and Dennis Rodier, or Rodier, or however you pronounce his name. Uh, but yeah, we start off with kind of a, a news clip slash TV uh, news panel uh, montage of, uh, you know, just of the reports of Superman being dead. Uh, they also, it's pretty interesting. They say that he has no known relatives. So there's this controversy over, you know, who has the rights to him. Because again, in this version of the DC universe, this has, uh, you know, changed over time, uh, back and forth a few times actually. But in this version, nobody knows <laughs> for some reason, nobody, nobody has figured out, uh, other than I think, I think literally there's four characters in total that know maybe Batman does. I'm not sure. I think Batman does, right? Like some of the superheroes know but in terms of regular humans uh only the kents lois lane not even jimmy olsen here and lana lang are the only ones that that i believe that know clark kent's identity here or superman's identity here yeah yeah that sounds right basically there's this uh, standoff that's continuing between uh these feds who are backed by can can uh cad i think they're cadmus people yeah it's not it's not entirely clear but i think they are associated with cadmus uh and uh, uh with uh, maggie sawyer and turpin it's they're basically in this standoff uh over superman's body over who has the right to them while, while guardian's kind of in the middle uh this guardian character he's kind of like he like works for cadmus he's like their security guy but he's kind of like a good guy too so he's kind of always stuck in the middle when they're there's the uh, the higher ups above him trying to do some sort of evil shady shit, and he's kind of trying to the one that's kind of stuck in the middle trying to deal with the the guys that we're supposed to. I think we're supposed to more be rooting for like Maggie Sawyer, Sawyer and Turpin uh, in this situation because they're the ones that actually knew Superman and you know were friends with him and all that stuff here in Metropolis. So uh, there's a little bit of a, a showdown there, and uh, just as this this showdown is is about to heat up, uh, Team Luther shows up. The uh, these Luthers special troops show up, uh, but it's really just to distract everything so that Supergirl can swoop in and set off what she they call her psychokinetic blast and just fuck up the whole situation. Well, that's a thing now. Yeah, that is a thing now. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then the mayor of Metrop- Metropolis show, uh, shows up and he has papers that are declaring that Superman is in fact considered a U.S. citizen, even though he is an alien, even though he was not born in the United States, the United States is considering him a U.S. citizen and the, these these. This, these papers basically say, say fuck the feds or fuck Cadmus. You guys can't just take him just because he's an alien. Like he has rights as a U.S. citizen here as well to a proper bail, burial and such. Um, so meanwhile, Team Luther and the Guardian then escort these feds uh, and, and these Cadmus folks away um, in exchange for not telling the world that, that they're assholes. They're basically like, we're not going to, we won't tell anybody out this, but you guys just get out of here pretty, pretty much uh, is, is my summary of things. Um, and then Lexus Luther is on TV. Again, this is young redhead Australian 
and Lex Luthor. <laughs> and um, he's going to build a monument to Superman because he's such a great guy. What a great guy Lex Luthor is, huh? He wants to help out. He just wants to help out here with, I'm sure, no ulterior motive. Of, of course not. No. Hotter Fabio Australian Lex and his uh, pink alien sludge and sometimes sexy Supergirl girlfriend only have good motives. Oh yeah, I should I should mention here another thing about this version of Lo, of uh, Lex Luthor. He also owns the Daily Planet here as well. <laughs> oh, Fuck wow. man, he's Jeff Bezos. Yeah, this is a really weird version of, of Lex Luthor. Um, but yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back at the Daily Planet, uh, everyone is all like, again, is like, wow, why is Lois taking this so hard? What is her fucking problem? This bitch, like, just write your article. I get it. Superman died, and then and the same sentence are like, hey, has anybody seen Clark? <laughs> <laughs> just out loud. I shouldn't be laughing at this woman's misery, but it's just, it just cracks me up how no one can figure out why she's so upset about, I mean, even just Superman dying would be pretty decent enough of a thing to be upset about. Like he was a hero to the community. It's known that Lois like had worked on a bunch of stories and interviewed him a bunch. So I think even if we just accept that it was just Superman who, that she just saw die and you know fall into her arms, that would be enough. Uh, but then, and yeah, but no one can piece this together still, even though her, her you know, fiance who worked with them every Every day look exactly like Superman if you put the glasses on him, but I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, but Superman and Clark Kent is the most it's the most because comics thing ever in comics, I would say. I, I don't think anything comes close to that other than Bruce Wayne. Like, how, how is the richest guy who also is like super shifty, not connected to this Batman figure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, because comics. That's why we love comics as well. So it is what it is. But um we then see the Kents. The Kents get a phone call to their house, and it is Lana Lang who has finally reached out. And uh, yeah, basically, the Kents are have kind of been in somewhat of a denial here as well. They they keep kind of holding on to this, you know, you know, it's Clark, you know, it's Clark. He's our son. He's Superman. Like he's not he's not dead, but we all know he is, or is he? We saw she. Uh, meanwhile, D- uh, Lex Luthor is at the coroner who is his, basically like he still can't. This is where you learn that he can't really do a normal autopsy on a uh, man. Imagine being this corner corner. You have Superman's body and Doomsday's body just sitting right here. But you can't really do normal op- autopsies on either of them. Uh, we then see Lex Luthor just flip out. He like throws a chair, breaks a chair over Doomsday's body. And he's just so upset. And the coroner is like trying to console, console him. He's like, oh, no, I-, I know how you must feel, Lex- Le- Mr. Luthor. This must be so hard for you and then we see luther's uh thought balloon and he where he thinks to himself like yeah i'm pissed off you have no idea how i feel i'm mad because superman was mine to kill and this fucking crazy gross looking bony alien came and killed him and i don't get to do it so yeah you have no idea how i feel bitch but that was just on in his head uh so yeah like lex luther's unhappy about the situation but not for the reasons that many on that don't realize uh you know why he's Australian and all this stuff. Um, he's to, to sum it up, I'll do this, the quick version for anybody that doesn't know. This is a body that they created and pretended was Lex Luthor's estranged son in Australia that inherited all of his fortune when Lex Luthor was killed in the plane crash, but he wasn't really killed in the plane crash. He really had cancer that he got from this kryptonite ring he was wearing to keep Superman at bay, and that gave him cancer. So they took his brain, created this new body, put it in there, made it Australian and had, with long red hair, and then said this is Lex Luthor's son. So now real Lex Luthor is living in this new body that they're calling his son and still controls the same fortune. There, that's the summary. How are you feeling? Damn. <laughs> and also his girlfriend is this creepy shape-shifting purple raisin thing that turns into hot sex. Yeah, his kink is the least weird thing about him. And that's the least weird thing about him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very, very strange time uh, for, for Lex Luthor, I would say. Very strange time in comics overall. 
Uh, but yeah, let's see. Uh, Lois Lane. <laughs> my notes just say Lois Lane is still sad. That, that describes several of the cutaways we'll see here over the issues. It's either like the Kents are still sad, Lois Lane is still sad, uh, and that. Uh, there's also this, uh, we see a little glimpse of, what is the name of this prison? Uh, whatever. Some prison. Some prison where bad guys are, and this Parasite character, he's all mad. He's like, if I hear one more freaking word about the tragedy of Superman's death, I'm gonna puke. I'll never get another chance to leech off his power. Now that's a tragedy. Uh, and yeah, basically there's like, they're they're, they're also putting this prison on lockdown because they don't want all these prisoners getting all riled up and all excited about the fact, hey, maybe this is a good time for a prison riot because there's no Superman. Uh, no Superman to, you know, just shut us right down. Um, let's see, moving on. Supergirl stops some uh, pretty standard, you know, bike bank robbery-esque uh, villains here. I shouldn't say villains, just they're just standard run-of-the-mill criminals. They might just be yeah, hard-working folks who ran on hard times and decided they had to rob. Are you gonna defend them like you defended the drug dealers when like Superman burned down dealers. their houses? Look, I try to have empathy. All right, I try to see where other people might be coming from, why they might be. You know, these guys were not just born robbing banks. Something happened to them that that sent them down this path, and now they're gonna get stopped by sexy shape-shifting Supergirl. So yeah, uh, the sexy shape-shifting girl, Supergirl stops them and and throws the car. And this is uh, this is like what we see on the cover, which is like a, an, an allusion to uh, Action Comics, like Superman's first appearance in that Action Comics where he's holding the car. This is basically the Supergirl version of that, and this is where we're seeing that play out uh, in this story. So Supergirl takes out these criminals. Uh, we then see uh, Bibbo there as well. We got Bibbo in his bar, and the bar patrons, they're all proud of him. They're all giving him props for trying to save Superman. Man, you know, and try, trying to you know blast him with a defibrillator, and it didn't work. But you know, it's okay. They're just they're proud of him anyway. But Bibbo's really bummed down so much. So can you believe it? Bibbo turns down a drink, and the patrons, the bar patrons, just say, "Man, I ain't, I ain't ever known Bibbo to turn down a drink." Um, Bibbo is bummed out. He's sad, and he's just you know, at the end of this issue, he's just sitting there in the dark in his bar and saying, "It ain't right, God. It just ain't right." What'd you think about Bibbo? Bibbo's morning here. That is the one page of this entire arc that I, I remembered. I, I remember almost immediately whenever I think of it. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's it's genuinely sad. Like you don't see that in comics. Heroes don't die. Good always wins. People don't mourn. People don't go through this type of stuff. And you know, weird. You know, I'm not weird, but like tertiary characters like Bibbo, they don't they they don't get seen as anything more than like backdrop. For the big event. So, I mean, this is if this is not one of the most impactful scenes in the comic ever, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I really like that we're seeing this, the the grief, but in an, in the very immediate reaction. So, you know, I I, I poke fun at old Lois here just because no one is realizing why she's so extra upset because uh, Clark is Superman. Uh, man, even even that even then they should why they should really be more sympathetic, because even if they don't know Superman is Clark, everyone admits that Clark is missing. And if if they think Clark is just a normal human who would be out there trying to recover this thing. It's a decent chance he died in this battle and died in the rug and then died in, in, was it in the rubbage somewhere. Why can't I think of that word today? It is rubbage, right? Yeah. Rubble, rubble. That's the word. That's the rubble. word you were thinking of. What the, rubble is what the <laughs> rubbage is what the Brits call the garbage. Like toss it in the rubbage. But uh, yeah, no rumble, the rubble. Yeah, that was the word I was trying to think of. Rubble. Can you believe wow. That? Wow. wow. So it happens when I try to do a podcast before noon. Right? Wow. Before the coffee has really kicked in before I'm firing on all cylinders. Wow. wow. So yeah, the rubble. It took me 30 minutes to figure out that word. But anyway. Lois sad. Yeah. I do like that we are seeing the real grief. You know, we are seeing how 
how you might imagine people would really react if this happened. You know, denial. The Kents are, I think, are very much like in de- denial the most for a while. Bibbo was in denial for a while too, uh, trying to save Superman. Uh, but now, towards the end of this issue, where we're starting to get that acceptance phase, and I think that's what we're seeing from Bibbo here, where he just turns off the lights and just has his own private moment of grief, and he doesn't do what a lot of people would do, especially a lot of guys who are bar owners, who's, who's known as a drinker. He actually turns down the drink, and that—that's how you know that Bibbo is not just like upset or sad. Then he might just grab the, you know, normal sad where you just grab the drink and toss it back and, and drown your sorrows. He's so, he's so beyond that emotion that he, the idea of a drink isn't even on his mind. You know, he's in, he's in his own world. He's, he's talking to God right now. Cause that's who he's got to talk to. And I, oh yeah, I think, I think it's a beautiful scene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Superman, the man of steel. Number 20. This one is written by Louise Simonson with art by John Bogdanov. Uh, and this is the, uh, this is the funeral issue. And we start out, uh, we see these construction workers just kind of talking about things and, uh, you know, picking up the newspaper, chatting about Superman being dead. And then we cut to Lex Luthor frantically on the phone. Why? Because, Hey, he's a public servant, man. He is just there trying to plan a freaking funeral, and it takes a lot of planning. So he's on the phone. He's trying to set up the time capsule, uh, trying to figure out how to build crypts, uh, all this crazy stuff, uh, because, you know, he's a great man. He's he's the man of Metropolis, even though inside he is just absolutely seething that that uh, that he is not the one that, that got to put down Superman. Uh, Lois then, uh, let's see, sends Perry, uh, he sends Perry to the funeral. Like she's not even going to go to the the funeral to cover it. And everyone's, (laughs) and still everyone is like, man, what is her problem? And again, like I was saying, even if you don't know that Clark is Superman, he's missing and likely dead. Like that, that's what her problem is. Her either, no matter which story you have, if you know that Clark is Superman or not, either way, her husband is missing and presumed dead. So I think they should probably have a little more sympathy, but they're all just like, what's Lois's problem? Why is she being such a bitch oh the 90s gotta love him um let's see but uh then we cut to speaking of lois she is standing like there's this one scene it's it's on page 83 for you i think if you're in the same digital version as i am right now she is standing on the edge of the daily planet like thing that's on top of the building uh just mourning and thinking to herself but that looks dangerous as fuck just standing on the least literally on the edge of this thing on the like way at the top of the daily planet in the rain so i don't know this doesn't seem safe at all I think Lois is often seen as like this strong, independent, uh, you know, like feminist figure who don't need no man. But like what I what I like about uh, what I like about Lois as a character is that that's kind of like how she is at the beginning. But through her relationship, she forms a dependence on Clark, not just, you know, as someone there to save her from imminent danger. But, you know, like 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 it's a genuine love. It's a real partnership. And, um, you know, Lois is one of the strongest characters in in all of comicdom i i can say and i mean she she's just a regular person and um you know like this is probably her her lowest point but she you know what what her lowest yeah point. her lowest point this is her lowest point I'll be here yeah time. and uh you, you know it, it really does kind of remind you like even even a man of steel can die even a person with you know tough skin can still be hurt and uh, this is really what shows you that side of Lois where it's like, yeah, like she she's great on her own. But what brought her love and happiness in her life was Clark. 
Yeah, and I really do like her internal dialogue here. She's still kind of like bargaining, bargaining with herself. You know, she's in, in that stage of grief now. She's saying like, oh, Clark, oh, Clark, where are you? How can you leave me? Don't you know how much I love you? What am I doing here? I, I'm waiting. Like, I think he'll appear. Like, he'll just land here like he's done so many times. Like, tell me. And that's why she's up here. Because like, you know, Clark, you know, she he used to fly up here and meet her up here. Uh, but, you know, tell me it was all a mistake. Some cosmic joke. He's been missing before, but he always came back. He's never been dead. Drums from the funeral down below. And then this is when he realized, like, oh, wait for it. Wait, I'm coming, Clark. Like, she's like, I'm not going to not go down there. So she does eventually go down uh, to this one spot uh, where uh, where they have, like, the little memorial plaque for, for Superman there. And then we cut to funeral day. We have the procession of heroes here. And, <laughs> like, for some reason, man, I don't know. They were just pushing Bloodwind really hard in the 90s because this guy is, like, at the front of the procession of heroes. Um, I guess maybe because he was in the battle with Superman and Doomsday. Maybe he gets to be up there but like he's up there ahead of like all the flashes like super, like what it's like if your mailman showed up to your funeral <laughs> like, you're like i dropped off letters and like a, a credit card applications for this guy for 20 years <laughs> okay what's your name <laughs> what, are you doing? what are you doing here why is he carrying <laughs> Yeah, but he's up there. He's ahead of Aquaman. He's ahead of Shazam. He's ahead of all these heroes that Superman worked very closely with for years. And like, no one knows who this guy is. Like, this isn't even, I think this is even the real Bloodwind. Like, I, I remember I broke this down again. Go listen to episode 20. But I broke this whole Bloodwind thing down there, too. But yeah, I think it's 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 some weird thing where this Bloodwind isn't the real Bloodwind, but no one even cared about the regular Bloodwind anyway. So whatever. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, we have the procession of heroes here. And uh, yeah, everyone is still sad because it's Superman just died. And this is funeral as you might expect um we also get a, a really cool uh, cutaway scene here when we go to we see lobo and uh lobo is drinking at the horny sow the galactic tavern and uh he is really pissed off too he's saying say it ain't so and yelling at these little alien bar patrons i love the one like little yellow patron patron who's just like you know who lobo's like squealing at he's just saying humana 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 that <laughs> he's scared shitless about lobo and that's all we see from lobo we just see a scene where lobo is pissed off that uh, much like lex luther lobo who is you know, he's like an anti-hero he's 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 the, like a bad guy but also a good guy and he's just he may not have liked super Superman, but he sure as hell respected Superman. But God damn it, he wanted to have another scrap or two with him. Exactly. Yeah. He's like a, I would call him like, I don't know, not like a Punisher, but kind of where he's like, he's, he definitely does a lot of bad things and you can't call him a hero, but he often works with and respects the heroes in that sense. He, he's a rogue. I would call him that. Like he's really nowhere. Like Harley Quinn, like Harley Quinn in the comics now and stuff doesn't do evil stuff. She's not like that person who's like on the line. She's very much a hero who kills people. She's an anti-hero. She's on the same team as like a Punisher, a Deadpool. They're not bad guys, but they do things that other heroes won't. Whereas Lobo, he will straight up like murder a planet if he gets paid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he'll destroy a planet for 50 bucks yeah so maybe they're not quite on the same level i, I think uh yeah lobo doesn't really have the any kind of morals holding holding his back the main man will do anything for cash main man you bastard but yeah we're uh, we're at this funeral and uh we see this one kid who is part of the death of superman saga he was like part of the ones who uh was like helping to like this whole that whole weird storyline with the underground freaks that went oh the sewer mutant yeah, thing we don't need to talk about the sewer mutants although we are going to talk about them because because they're going to come back uh, because this is a super uh, basically his whole story is some kid is sad about Superman and getting bullied by this by this other kid so he comes up and gives this kid a cat 
<laughs> like, okay. I don't know if that's if it's his cat or a cat he just found, but he gives this kid a cat. He's like, all right. That's like Mike Tyson receiving pigeons as a kid. It doesn't make much sense, but okay. Here, you can hold Tiger. Maybe that'll make you <laughs> feel better. So, yeah, that's what's happening. Then, um, there, of course, this is a superhero funeral. There are, of course, some bad guys trying to do bad guy things. There is this group called the Kanad Liberation Force. They're about to strike with something. I don't know what. It looks like a guy's about to pull out a gun or a bomb or something, but he gets swooped up and pulled into the air by good old Batman, good old Bruce Wayne pulls him up. Speaking of which, uh, as I was uh, doing some work at my house last night, I decided to, I actually had not watched the uh, Justice is Grey version of Snyder Cut. I was meaning to put it on in the background, and fuck, I got sucked so it's good. back into that movie, Remzo. It, it's still holding up for me. It still gives me the chills. I fucking love it. It's too good. And then black and white. Like I, I, I prefer the the colored version, but the black but the black and white one gives like a it it hits differently. It's good. It hits differently. Maybe we'll do another review of just the Justice is Great. I've actually done and uh, you know, natural plug uh, on Patreon. I went ahead and did a Remso rant where I compared what was better, the black and white version of James Mangold's Logan or the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League Justice is Gray edition. So if you want to go ahead and hear what I thought of that as a black and white old, uh, you know, cinema savvy fan, uh, you can go ahead and listen to that today. There's another reason to join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash second print pod. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's see. We move on and uh, we see that this doctor, this uh, scientist guy who had been working with uh, Bibbo, who was like trying to uh, take out, uh, first he was trying to take out Doomsday, then he was trying to to help revive uh, revive Doomsday, and the, the, he's talking to this lady who's just saying, uh, email, oh, email, his name's email, uh, we tried so hard, your laser machine was so brilliant, why couldn't we save him? I don't know why, that, that line just... That's such a 90s sentence. It is, it just, it just cracked me up so much. Email, your laser machine... <laughs> <laughs> like someone typed these words and said, "This is, should be should be human speaking." Yeah, um, but your laser machine was so. Brilliant. There was a character once called Amtrak. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, A Track. Where was that? I don't remember. Okay, that's probably for he, he he must have been friends with like Arm Fall Off Boy. That's your, that's your mind protecting yes. you. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we see uh, we also see the underground freaks, uh, the good ones. There's like good ones and bad ones, but yeah, these are the same aforementioned underground freaks. They're also sad. They're they're enjoying this funeral from the sewer right underneath it, right underneath the procession, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Here uh, we then see some kid, some guy selling. I, I thought this was hilarious. He was basically selling like the same merchandise that DC was selling. He's selling like the black armband and the bag. He was selling a bagged edition of the Superman is Dead Daily Planet instead of. Uh, Superman number 75 uh, and then the t-shirt uh, I thought that was just kind of funny like you know and Bibbo is gets on this guy subliminal marketing yeah, he's like and Bibbo grabs this guy he's like you know what well, ain't you got no respect he's like you know he's really pissed that this guy is selling all this you know profiting on all, all this merch all this Superman merch and the guy's like hey look man Superman saved my family family from a burning building like I love Superman but you know we're on the streets you know I, I'm out of work I got a family to feed uh, what am I supposed to do and Bibbo this this freaking sweetheart this son of a bitch bibbo he buys all of the merchandise because he doesn't want this guy selling it but he does but he buys it all so it's 
kind of not proving the point, sort of. But And he says, you want work? You want work? Well, come on over to my bar tomorrow, and I'll give you work. I'm like, all right. So this guy's now this guy's going to be a bartender, I guess, like or something, or a, or a bar back. I don't know. He's going to work for Bibbo. That's all I know. And he needs no interview, no resume. All he had to do is be a fan of Superman. But what's Bibbo going to do with all this stuff? Like, is he going to burn the, all these T-shirts? He bought 300 of these things. Is he going to burn them all? Like, I would flip them. <laughs> Bibbo's, I think Bibbo's going Bibbo's to be selling them in the back of the bar. He just wants them for his Superman bar. Bibbo trying to act all heroic here. He's just trying to make a buck too, just like everybody else. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Bibbo's a sweet bastard. I shouldn't talk trash. Uh, we then see this procession heading to this giant Superman statue. This is a hell of a statue that uh, that Lex Luthor commissioned here. I got to say, um, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, meanwhile, Bibbo also gets into it. Uh, not not Bibbo, but some other guy gets into it with uh, these these mobsters, I guess. Uh, or it's Jimmy Olsen, I should say. And Jimmy Olsen uh, gets saved by good old Robin. So there's now there's like all the sorts of mayhem at the funeral. Like all the heroes are now, uh, you know, they're all involved with some kind of shenanigans. They're, they're trying to break up fights, uh, trying to take you know, stop these mob guys from causing mayhem this canal liberation front there's just all sorts of mayhem and nonsense at this funeral because it's a superhero funeral uh the kents are watching it on tv they're really sad about the mayhem they're like this is like terrible lex luther's flipping out he's like calm down calm down like this is my event like what are, what are y'all doing uh this funeral is just a disaster um and the kents are just there they're just kind of consoling each other they don't they don't make it to the funeral uh we then go back to the funeral where i guess the action has calmed down because now we are getting a, a speech from president President Bill Clinton and his wife Hillary. They they're giving a speech. He has appeared in multiple comics that we've done recently, both for Marvel and DC. Dude, could you imagine if Joe Biden were president when that happens and he's giving the speech? I just want to say that Batman was a good friend of mine. What? <laughs> oh. You mean Batman's alive? Is Batman here? Uh which one's Batman again? Uh Hey, wh- where's Bloodwind? <laughs> where's that Bloodwind guy? He's always been my favorite. <laughs> Bloodwind, come on up here. I love to see, you know, colored heroes here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> so uh, Bill Clinton is giving a speech with a, uh, I-, I said, with a spry looking Hillary. That's, that's what I said in my notes. Um, and he he actually has a good line here. I'm not, I'll, I'll hand it to comic book DC comic Bill Clinton here. He says, the greatest power of all is our ability to care and help each other. Tears, tears flowing down my eyes. But honestly, that that really is the summary. We talked about this. I think it was issue. Damn it. I did it. Episode four of this podcast uh, where we looked at uh, the world without a super, not this world without a Superman. I think it was like, what, what was it? It was where Superman goes all Forrest Gump and he just starts walking. Oh, yeah, 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 that one. Right, right, right. Yeah, Why the world needs Superman. Or does the world need Superman? The episode was titled different than the, the comic we covered. But yeah, where Superman goes all Forrest Gump and he's like, I just want to be like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's one thing we did discuss there about like the charm of Superman is that it's not that he has these powers. It's not that that's not what's amazing about him. There's a lot of people that have powers. Like Bloodwind. Uh, <laughs> like Bloodwind, for example. Yeah, anybody can have powers. Uh, but it's, it's the fact that he just cares and he is there to help people. And he does it out of the goodness of his heart. He's a, just a good old boy from Kansas, although nobody knows that except for like four people. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that, that is a, it's a good line from from Bill. I'll give it. I'll give it to him. It hits the nail on the head for sure. <laughs> he does. Lois finally uh, can't take it anymore. She's like, oh, my God, I can't. They, I, I, I got to go call the Kents. Like, I haven't even called them once this whole time. So she runs to a payphone and uh, and and calls the Kents. But the phone does not pick up because uh, they are just out. Uh, they're out. Actually, they're visiting the uh, they're reminiscing 
at the original rocket site where they first picked up little baby Clark in his little alien rocket. Oh man, this part, that, that part gets me. I know what's coming. Oh, I, I feel it already hitting me. Yes, things are coming. Emotions are flowing. Um, Wonder Woman then is, is Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are covering the tomb of Superman at the funeral here. And me- meanwhile, Lois does actually get a hold of the Kents on the phone and, and they have their little moment. And uh, the Kents are, I don't know why they didn't come to the funeral. I'm not sure if I just missed that or it's not. Really it, it's because it's, it's because so pop. Oh, well, they don't know his identity. So I guess. It'd be well, funny. I mean, they, they want to go, but. I, I don't know if it's Ma or Pa can't. I don't know if it's coming up or not, but like one of them wants to go and the other one is like, no, I, I can't. I can't accept it or something like that. Yeah, because they were the most in, in denial. They're, they're, they're the whole time. They're, they're like, holding they're on to the last out. minute. He's yeah. Gonna, yeah, he's going to burst out of that thing and, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, but basically the, the Kents are, are said they're going to they're going to come all over. They're going to come all over to Metropolis there because even if they can't be there for Superman, for Clark, uh, they are going to be there for even though she's not officially their daughter-in-law. They didn't, didn't get that far. They only recently got engaged in the comics. Uh, she pretty much is is their daughter, really. I mean, that, that's how they see her. Man, when Amy Adams calls you and tells you that she needs help, you go. <laughs> exactly. Even if you're secretly Martian Manhunter, you fucking go. You yeah, do it. Now, moving on to uh, part four, this is Superman number 76 by Dan Jurgens, art by Brett Breeding. Uh, moving on, we have Shazam. We see Shazam coming on down and uh, with the rest of the Justice League here. And uh, this is basically the Justice League's time to uh, reminisce. This, is, this issue is the Metropolis mailbag. And uh, yeah, they're basically like meeting on this roof and they're talking about what they're going to do. And I guess basically what happens there, I guess like every year, like Superman gets a bunch of letters, a bunch of letters from random people. Some of them are just absurd. Uh, like, like, hey, I know where this gold treasure is, but I, I need to go into the middle of the jungle to get it. Like, Superman, can you come bring me to the, this spot to get this gold treasure? And he probably ignored a lot of those letters. But a lot of them are like from some kid who's like, oh, my cat's stuck in the tree. It's like, well, you probably shouldn't have written a letter, kid, because the cat's probably this probably sorted itself. Did out. you guys have emails? Emails in 1993. Yeah, there were, there were no emails in 1993, at least not at, at this level. Uh, so they're basically just like going through the letters and stuff. Uh, meanwhile, we see this kid. Remember this kid, Ramso? Do you remember Mitch? No. You don't remember Mitch? Mitch was a, a big part. When I shouldn't say a big part, but there was one part of the Death of Superman storyline where I think Mitch was like defending his. Oh, was he the was he the punk kid? He was the punk kid, yeah. Yeah, he was all pissed off at his mom, and then he became heroic when, uh, I, f- I think, like, I don't remember if there was an abusive dad involved. I feel like there's always an abusive dad involved. No, the, the dad left, because remember, he reminds his mom, he's like, if it weren't for you, dad would still be here. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was a total little asshole to his mom, but then he uh, sort of had his redemption moment when uh, when the Doomsday Doomsday and Superman came to town, and I think he tried to, like, stand up to his mom, and then Doomsday was about to, t- to kill this fucking kid, and then Superman... In. Mitch and Superman have more history than than Superman and Bloodwind. <laughs> that, is, that is legitimately true. That is absolutely true. Would you rather see a Mitch solo series or a Bloodwind solo series? Mitch, I, I want to I want to know I want to know how he makes it up to his mom. What about a Mitch and Bloodwind team up comic? How is Bloodwind going to help? I feel like he's the least helpful person in the entire DC universe. He didn't help. He didn't do shit to save Superman at the end of the day. But he still gets to you know, be at the front of the procession for some reason. <laughs> I love the analogy. Why is the mailman here? <laughs> Just in his full outfit. Like, I think, is, that, is that Mark's mailman? Were they like friends or something? 
I guess I guess they were close. I don't know. I've never. I delivered him Amazon packages every day. Like. Anyway, Mitch is in town. Mitch is in Metropolis because he heard. I'm sorry. It's the woman funny. Who, <laughs> he heard that Superman had a wife and she's revealing herself in Metropolis. So that's true. But it's not Lois Lane. It's some random lady. It's some lady just claiming to be Mrs. Superman. Now, of course, all these reporters, Jimmy Olsen is on it. You know, Jimmy Olsen is there taking pictures. And then Lois is there with him. She's like, Jimmy, what the fuck, man? Like, don't, don't, you don't tell me you're buying all this shit. And he's like, well, no, but we got to cover it. You know, it's a story. He's like, this charlatan, she says, he has a good line, she says, this charlatan is no more Mrs. Superman than I am. Uh, like, oh, I don't think that's true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's right. It's still fucking raining, by the way. It's been raining for this entire, I don't know if this is on purpose or what. Maybe it's just part of like the gloom of Superman's death, but it's been raining the entire funeral for a friend storyline this entire time, uh, ever since like basically since the day after he died. I mean, Chicago's the windy city. And Gotham is a city without sunlight. Metropolis has to be the rainy city, at least, because at this point, isn't Star City, isn't Star City destroyed at this point? Uh, I believe, I think this is right before that. No, it's a little bit, yeah, that's a little bit after. This is the 90s where every super, bad shit happened with every superhero. So first it was, first it was for, no, first it was Superman, then it was Batman, Batman then it was Green Lantern. Then Green Lantern lost yeah. his shit. And then uh, Aquaman lost his yeah. shit. Yeah, and his kid. Basically. And his kid, yeah. A lot of shit went down. Man, the DC universe is dark. <laughs> it's very dark. What is this, the DC universe? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Lois uh, Lois goes, she's all upset about this whole thing. She storms off. Uh, meanwhile, when she storms off, Jimmy Olsen meets Mitch. So look at this. You got Jimmy and Mitch hanging out. A couple of buddies. That's here. a team up. And uh, Jimmy's gonna go. Jimmy's gonna go buy this like distraught teenager lunch, uh, basically. Um, so yeah, and he and uh, yeah. So moving on, we see uh, Lois is going to Clark's apartment, and the Kents are there, and they have a nice uh, little reunion. And who else is there as well? Lana Lang. Clark's childhood friend, the only other person. I think so. Now we have the, all four. We have all four regular humans. The only four regular humans. I thought Jimmy knew who S- Superman was too. Maybe that's, that's way later. But uh, yeah, here, here he still thinks this other lady might be might be Superman's wife. That's in that. That's in like the two thousands. Oh really? Yeah. I think I have that issue. I, I know I have it where he revealed it in the New Fifty Two. But I do know that prior to like Infinite Crisis that happened. And final, no, fi- prior to Final Crisis in 2005. No, that's Infinite Crisis. Fuck it. It was in the early 2000s. I think Infinite Crisis was 2004, and that did change. Yeah, it. Final Crisis was 2008. We're going to get to these crises one day. Whenever Remzo gets brave enough to tra- tackle crisis. On- I need to drink. That's the only thing holding us back. I, I'm down. We can, we can get super drunk for those episodes. Let's let's pledge that right now. When we finally do Crisis, break down the twelve issue series, which we'll definitely do across at least two episodes. We will get in stupid drunk. For we have to do a shot each time a new or each, each time a new. Well, that appears. and each time an Earth gets destroyed. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm, I'm one of out. us might not live at the end of it. <laughs> I will be taking applications for back. <laughs> I, I think I I'm a lightweight. I won't lie. I'm a lightweight. People that were on our uh, Journey into Mystery call were their patrons last night. They got to see what kind of lightweight rims. That was a very intimate experience amongst fans. <laughs> <laughs> Just another reason to check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash second print pod where you can sometimes see Remzo sloppily drunk. That's yes. Cool, 
Uh, but yeah, we do have the uh, the meeting of the uh, all the people who know that that Clark is Superman here. Uh, let's see, and uh, yeah. And they uh, and now we go back to the Justice League, and uh, they are going through the letters, the aforementioned letters that I talked about before, where they're you know reading all the requests that all the the kids and all the random dudes across the land have of Superman, uh, and they say, all right, they're gonna they're gonna go around, they're basically gonna be like Santa Clauses here. They're gonna take all the letters, maybe not answer all of them, but they're gonna go try to help some of these people out. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to Jimmy Olsen and Mitch who are having lunch, and um, Bibbo's there too, because why not? <laughs> why not have all the Superman friends uh, uh, eating at this diner here? And uh, basically, Mitch, <laughs> this is what it says in my notes. I wrote, Mitch thinks this is all his fault because he's a fucking Yes, idiot. yes, Mitch. <laughs> yes, it is your fucking fault. <laughs> he's like, it was my fault because I was there in the thing, and I'm like, I don't even understand. Mitch could have done way more to save that. Superman than Bloodwind did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like what? Like Mitch is like, if I could have done more. I'm like, what the fuck were you gonna do, Mitch? Like, do you see what happened to Guy Gardner? Let Superman throw you at Doomsday to distract him for a minute. <laughs> By the way, I don't know how long it's been, but Guy Gardner, I don't think it's been that long, and Guy Gardner is fine. Like, remember how beat up he was? He was, was ba- him and Blue Beetle were basically like dying. Blue Beetle was really fucked, and I don't. He he may actually still be. They are do, have some continuity here because I think Blue Beetle is not here. I think Blue Beetle is actually still in the hospital. <laughs> how how is it they all lived yet Superman is the only one who dies? Yeah, well, half the no, like all of the Justice League of Detroit because that's what they were, you know, commonly called the Justice League of Detroit, the Warehouse Justice League. They should all be dead. Like if Superman dies, they should all be yeah, dead. This is a fair point. This is a very fair point, but I guess you would say that Superman just took the most consistent blows over and over and over from. from <laughs> um, I love that scene where Blue Beetle is like, please stop. And he just gets please. slammed. He's already dead. <laughs> stop me. He's already dead. <laughs> oh, so much death in that death of Superman. Uh, but anyway, like I said, Mitch thinks this is all his fault because he's a fucking idiot. And uh, B- Bibbo also says, <laughs> "I love this too." Bibbo's like, "This, this, this lady here. She's saying she's super. He's Superman's wife." He's like, "Bibbo." He's like, "I know super Superman was a bachelor. No way he'd wear no ball and chain." <laughs> and Jimmy says, I- "I'm sure it's more complicated than that, Mitch." To Mitch about his his whole theory that it was his fault. Like Jimmy's just like, "Yeah." That's, that's Jimmy's nice way of saying you're a fucking moron, kid. Why did I buy you this fucking coffee? Uh, anyway, Lana, Lois, and the Kent. So they are back at the uh, Clark's apartment and they are wondering if anyone will find out about Clark and they pledge that even though there are a lot of bad guys out there and it's quite possible someone will find out about Clark uh, they pledge that um, they pledge that they're gonna they're gonna keep the secret they're gonna, they're not gonna reveal it so if it comes out it will not be on them especially because you know Lois is concerned well if it comes out you know they might try to get retribution on Clark's family some of his old villains which are the Kents the poor defenseless <laughs> Kents so that's, that's this is to, uh, this is why I hated the new 52 version of Lois where when uh, she finds out about uh, Superman's secret identity, like he's like, please don't do this. There are people I love. And she's like, oh, sorry, I already tweeted it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And uh, so now we get a little montage where the Justice League are basically Santa Claus now. They're basically like going around granting wishes like they're trying to reunite families. And they're like literally Santa Claus in one scene. Nightwing is like giving Christmas gifts to these kids. Um, 
yeah, it's basically just a couple pages of, of that stuff. Uh, we kind of see a montage. We also see like a, a little back and forth with uh, Mitch and Jimmy Olsen. They're visiting uh, visiting the statue where people are just still leaving flowers and everything for Superman. While at the same time, the Justice League has turned into Habitat for Humanity. They're, they're building houses now, all in response to these letters. I think this one was specifically uh, in response to a letter uh, from some lady whose house was destroyed by Doomsday, I think. So, which is funny because it's like, didn't she keep watching the news that well? Maybe not because she probably didn't have cable if her house was just destroyed. But like, didn't she know that at the end of that day, Superman was dead? So maybe don't write him a letter. But whatever, she did anyway. She she wrote a letter and hey, well, maybe it's like that Eminem song. It's like, dear Slim, I hope this letter gets to you. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I saw you die by Doomsday's hands many moments ago. Dear Stan, I heard this guy drove his car into uh, off a bridge with his pregnant girlfriend in the background. In fact, I think his name was Stan too. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is the stupid thing. I forgot how dumb this is. So so slow, uh Wonder Woman gets this dude, this husband, uh I think his name is Roger to come reunite with this lady. This is the lady that was pretending to be Mrs. Superman, which she was only doing to like lash out at the fact that her like husband had left her or something. So now Wonder Woman goes to get the husband and then he's going to make, and they're going to make it all work. She wants, he wants to make it all work now. So Roger and Claire are going to make things work. Dude, I don't know if you're, if your wife is going out saying she's Mrs. Dead Superman, like that's, I don't know, man, I, that's going to take some serious therapy to work through. Like <laughs> sometimes divorce is necessary. Yeah, and this might be one of those times, but um, but, but yeah, um, uh, let's see. Um, Mitch, meanwhile, he is wondering. He's also wondering, like, if Superman ever had a family. Um, Mitch, we don't we don't care about what you think anymore, all right? Because that that that's tr- that just transitions us to uh, seeing the Kents mourning, and uh, then we see uh, this this uh, Cadmus guy. And uh, guess what? Cadmus is still evil. It's director Westfield. He was not getting told no. He was told no that he couldn't have Superman's body, but he was not taking no for an answer. So we do see these Cadmus uh, like goons who are literally just, they've blown a hole. Fucking bureaucrats. Under the, under the statue. And they are they are uh, body snatching. They are stealing Superman's casket as we end this issue. So uh, what do you think so far? What do you think about what do you think about Justice League playing, uh, playing Santa Claus here to <laughs> answering all of Superman's letters? Like, where were these fuckers? When they when when they need help fighting Doomsday, why? Noted by his absent, by the way, I didn't see Bloodwind helping any. Characters. He's so he's so freaking useless. This is like the beginning of the Suicide Squad, where they send in like the B team, and you're thinking, oh, these guys are gonna lead it. Meanwhile, the A team is actually like going on the other side of the island while B team dies. It's like, did did all the real heroes just be like, you know what? Let let them deal with the guy who's obviously going to murder everybody. We'll come in later and d- deal with the funeral preparations. Exactly what happened. All right, we start off Adventures of Superman number 499 by Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood. And uh, we see Lex Luthor, he's getting an alert and he is detecting because he built this fucking thing. So you're goddamn right he put in some security protocols. He is detecting the movement of Superman's body in the tunnels he built. So Supergirl's, of course, thinking like, oh my God, he must be alive. And uh, he's like, well, I don't know about that, but I'm going to send you to investigate this thing. All right, and Supergirl uh, arrives at uh, Superman, the the statue, the, the crypt, whatever you want to call it. There's also this undercover cop guy here who's like dressed like a homeless guy. And I don't know what his deal is, but, but he's there and he oh yeah he's he's saying like oh i think i just seen a ghost because he just kind of sees the flash of supergirl's uh costume which of course you know at just a glance might appear like superman uh she goes down 
uh, underneath and sees that there was a hole blown into the wall and that the coffin is in fact gone. So she's saying, well, like the, the whole coffin is gone. So maybe he's not alive. Maybe he was just taken by whoever blew this hole. And, uh, you know, she's quite the investigator, this, this Supergirl, this uh, weird raisin uh, purple shape-shifting Supergirl. Uh, we then see this gangbuster guy. He's not in his gangbuster gear, uh, but as Remzo said, he doesn't matter, so I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but but he's in mourning, and he's considering becoming the gangbuster again, um, and he is actually confronted by this Inspector Henderson. I think I, I confused Inspector Henderson with this Director Westfield guy. Yeah, they're different. Because they literally look exactly the same. They have they wear like the trench coat and the suit and have the, the, the little like brown hair with the white grayness on the side. So Yeah, all the white dudes look alike. This is basically everybody, everybody in there. Let's see, moving along, the Kents, uh, they're not sticking around Metropolis. They're they are ready to leave. They, they've kind of had a, enough of Lois and her, her constant sobbing, I think. Um, and uh, uh, we also see, yeah, that's basically, we just get a lot of like cutaways to the Kents and Lois and how they're getting ready to leave Metropolis and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we then see Lex Luthor, who is hanging out with some chick who is quite clearly not Supergirl, some redhead. She looks like Mary Jane, actually. Probably is Mary Jane. She's probably was pissed that Peter was off, you know, fighting uh, Venom and Carnage. So she decided to go hop over to Metropolis and hang out with Lex Luthor for a bit. But yeah, she's uh, this this chick is hanging out with Lex Luthor. And um, that, that's the only thing I said in my notes about it. But but uh, but yeah, he, he basically just like snaps at her. She's like, oh, Lex, relax. You just need a drink and a massage. And he just throws this bottle of wine at her. And and because and, he's just pissed off about this whole situation. Um, so, yeah, I guess he's uh, I guess he's not that loyal to uh, creepy shape-shifting Supergirl. Um, and yeah, everyone, basically everyone and everyone is investigating the body, this disappearance of the body thing, you know, Supergirl's looking into it, uh, Turpin, Turpin and the Metropolis, wow, Metropolis PD, the Fuzz, uh, the Feds. Yeah, the, the feds are there. They're looking into it. Uh, basically, just the, the whole cast of characters again. Uh, meanwhile, Bibbo, Bibbo gets into it with some some punks, some punk, uh, like, you know, run-of-the-mill criminals again that I'm sure have a you know sympathetic backstory, like all the criminals do. Um, uh, but he gets into it with some punks, and he is saved by Gangbuster, who comes in. You know, you know Gangbuster remind, makes me think of, of, he makes me think of, like, Peacemaker. He's, he's basically like a Peacemaker-type character. I can picture John Cena as Gangbuster. He's like non-lethal Judge Dredd. Yeah, he's like a very lame yeah. Judge Dredd. And his symbol is just this, like, fist with a, with, like, a the... You know, the thing when it's the, you have the no smoking sign and you have that red circle and the line through it, but with a fist, which I don't get what that's supposed to mean. Is it supposed to mean no fighting? Because he's fighting. So I don't really know what the, the no fist thing symbol means. But anyway. I love peace. I'll kill as many women and children as I need to. <laughs> yes. As Remzo said, Gangbuster doesn't matter. So we are not going to spend much time on Gangbuster. Um we then see Supergirl. She is like investigating uh, this tunnel and uh, and where it could be uh, leading here. And she seems to have lost radio communication with uh, with Lex. And uh, she then finds that uh, she comes upon these underground freaks, the bad underground freaks. I guess there are good ones and bad ones. She's battling uh, these underworld creatures here. Uh, and then Turpin comes along and he comes in. And he's going to save freaking Supergirl here. <laughs> Durpin gives no fucks. He jumps right in and starts going at it with these underground freaks. He uses his pistol. He shoots at them. Uh, Supergirl is also fighting this like big. This one actually kind of almost looks like he looks like the thing. And if the thing in Doomsday had a kid, uh, that's what this big yellow one that uh, that Supergirl is uh, fighting. Uh, and then Turpin is, has his shirt completely ripped off. And holy shit, Turpin is freaking. He put shit. in the work. 
Turpin put puts in the fucking work. He is like as as jacked as this one underground freak, and he is n- in no way intimidated by these monsters. Uh, this one creature confronts him and says, "I'm." He says, "Come on, come on, bring on your best. I fought tougher monkeys than you in my swaddling clothes. Let Bog be the one." <laughs> Bog is this big blue one. He says, "I'm tired of his boasts." And then Turpin says, "Then let then let's us tango, Fang Face." And these two just go at it. And um, like Turpin is holding his fucking own here. It's pretty impressive. Um, at, at one point, he's like he's punching the shit out of this one monster. Then he grabs these um, he grabs these grenades and and sticks them on this other freak. Uh, and then right right then is when Supergirl grabs him and pulls him out of there. But in this whole melee, he basically oh yeah he has this. This is what he does. He grabs these things and it's, it's actually not kind of clear. He grabs these grenades and ties them to the yeah that's what he does he puts them on this other freak monster and then supergirl pulls him away and as she flies away with him he loses his pants and his pants and shirts and now turpin is just in his underwear he lost his hat too poor guy's fedora uh turpin is just getting pulled away by supergirl in his underwear and this is just hilarious to me and she, she just pulls him uh completely out of out of the uh underworld underworld but holy shit what did you think of turpin just going fucking fisticuffs with these with all these underground freaks all these underworlders don't mess with the metropolis pd yo no man you do not they're badass um then maggie sawyer is there um and uh the, the reader anyway we see then we get a cutaway and we see that it is in fact cadmus that has supergirl's body so that does it for this one uh we're then going to move on to Another edition of Supergirl in Action Comics, number 686, by Roger Stern and Jackson Geis. I want to say, is it Geis? Is it Geis? Geis. I don't know. G-I-S-S. Yeah. All right. Jackson Geis. Uh, We start off with the Guardian. The Guardian is in Gotham City battling some some thugs, doing some superhero shit, because why not? There's a, there's, there's a lot of like references to like other, a big theme is that like people have to fill the void of Superman. Who's going to fill that void of Superman? So that's why we see uh, some of these smaller characters being highlighted about how they're dealing with everyday events in Gotham. Uh, even Bibbo is doing his part, kind of like trying to take out these thugs because he sees these guys committing crimes and he's like, well, shit, Superman's not here. Bloodwind's not going to show up. We know that. So at least everyone else has to kind of step up their games. That's why we, we're getting features of like, we're seeing the gangbuster. We're seeing the guardian. We're just basically getting everyone who's lame. We're seeing Turpin, the battle underworld, underworld freaks. Everyone with, with either. Turpin is more badass than Bloodwind. Turpin is so much more badass than Bloodwind. You kidding me? It's not even close. Uh, but yeah, um, we see Guardian, uh, you know, Guardian battling some, some, you know, fighting some crime, doing standard crime fighting stuff. When he gets a telepathic phone call, because that's how Dubalex r- rolls, uh, from Dubalex, this telepathic Cadmus freak, and uh, I, I call Dubalex in my notes a weird psychic alien guy. That pretty much sums up Dubalex. Uh, and yeah, basically he's like, uh, Hey, we got some trouble. We need you at project Cadmus. So, uh, guardian takes off. Uh, meanwhile, he drives by a limousine, a limousine containing Austra- young Australian Lex Luthor. Uh, and we get a flashback now. This is when we get a little more of what I talked about earlier. We get a flashback to, uh, referencing that, uh, Lex finding out that he had the canceler, uh, faking his death in the, in the plane crash, uh, while they saved his brain and these, and his creepy eyes. It's so weird whenever they show his, the brain, cause it's just like a brain and then you see the eyes and they're just like, you know, connected loosely to, by, by these little whatever strings or whatever you call them, whatever connects your brain to your eyes. And that is all they saved of original Lex Luthor before they put him into young redhead Australian Lex Luthor's body. <sighs> That's a weird shit. It's a lot to take in. 
But yeah, basically, uh, Supergirl is on the case. She is following the Guardian to uh, figure out what's going on because they know that you know Cadmus and the Guardian probably have a hunch about what's been happening uh, with Superman's body. Uh, Luther and the cops, they talk a bunch. That's all I said in my notes for this part. Uh, Maggie uh, Sawyer, she's she is on to Luther, though, and she thinks that Lex Luther took the body. So it's a whole bunch. Everyone thinks everyone else. Who done it? Luther thinks the Cadmus has it. You know, the, the PD thinks Luther has it. Everyone thinks everyone has a motive and an agenda because... Well, Bloodwood has it. <laughs> uh, they then learn that the the turn they all agree that the tomb was broken into based on the evidence not broken out of so they all they all pretty much decided like superman did not break out of this like someone definitely stole the body here um which anybody really should have figured out by now uh, and basically the reason that dubelex called guardian here is because westfield this westfield director guy of cadmus is up to some weird shit he's like locked in this room and we don't know what he's doing in there so of course Guardian basically very easily busts into this room that I guess wasn't all that locked. And he sees that indeed Westfield has Superman's body and Guardian is pissed. He is not happy about this. And, you know, Westfield is like, look, I'm your boss. So whatever. Just, it's fine. And Guardian's like, nah, fuck you. I'm the head of security and you're not allowed to do this. And fuck you. And he grabs and physically threatens uh, Westfield now. And basically he learns that like, he basically says like, hey, look, I'm not doing anything bad here. I just want to clone Superman. This, What's the big deal? I just want to clone him. Like we cloned you. We brought you back to life. So I guess Guardian was like, in is some other guy that was like living in like a cloned body or something. I don't really know Guardian's origin story and I don't want to know it. Um, but yeah, he's basically saying like, look, hey, it worked for you. Why can't it work for Superman? Huh? What's wrong with that? And then they're even saying, well, and Dubelex here. Hey, Dubelex could just recreate his mind. He met Superman a couple times. He took some psychic impressions. He could just recreate his mind. We'll recreate his body. It should all work out. Uh, this is basically teasing eventually what will be one of the um, one of the results of the, the in the Reign of Superman storyline, one of the four Superman. This is kind of teasing the Superboy, who is like a, a, a clone of Superman that didn't get to adulthood, basically. That, that version. He's Superman, but horny. All versions of Superboy? Some versions of Superboy are are all versions of Superboy. Yeah. Superman. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's half Superman, half Lex Luthor. Okay, okay, right, but this is a different Superboy than the one that's like in the Titans. I don't know. There's like twenty different Superboys. They they are, but it was a rebooted origin. So the one of Titans came out after um, Infinite Crisis in 2005. Right. That's the one that wears like the yes. black T-shirt, Superman. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. He dies in Infinite Crisis. It was sometime before that. So one of the I'm sorry, it was after it was after Green Lantern. As None of these are to be confused with Superboy Prime. Who's oh, completely different. So long story short, shit changed later. And it's different. And that and that wasn't different. And now they're both here and it's weird. <laughs> and they're just basically debating. Is this ethical? Is it ethical to clone Superman and like to recreate his mind and bring him back knowing that, you know, he could still, you know, someone with this great power. And if it's the same mind should be able to do the same great heroic shit. And maybe that's a decent question. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, but basically guardian says, all right, we can, we can, uh, settle this thing for now, but, uh, you're not going to be in charge anymore. All right. He says like Westfield can't be in charge. Uh, and guardian is, it's actually funny. Like guardian is surprised that the, the body is invulnerable. I'm like, you've met, you know, Superman <laughs> really well. you should, you should not really be all that surprised by this stuff. All right. Meanwhile, Supergirl is uh, still exploring the, the kind of under underground there. She's trying to still figure out, um, uh, who, who took Superman's tomb and then right as this happened, why is she's doing so, there is uh, an explosion underground. 
Uh, we then see the Kents. We go back a little, get a little interlude to the Kents who are finally leaving Metropolis. We've had them just, there's been like five different scenes where the Kents are just talking about leaving Metropolis. It's like, go already. Just go. My God. It's like, are you going to talk about breaking up with me? You're just going to fucking do You're it. You're so mean to the elderly, Mark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's this explosion underground and now there is a flood. Like the whole river is coming out underground and uh, Supergirl is, of course, uh, saving her man, uh, Lex Luthor, and yeah, basically just, just getting people out of there. Um, and also, oh, yeah, there's another thing. There's another little side plot here. There's this weird Superman cult that's forming. They've showed up at the, the gravesite as well, and they, they think Superman, they're saying, you know, Superman will return. He'll save us all. Say the name and be free. Superman, Superman, Superman. So, Man, I wish I had a cult. Uh, we also find out. Oh, yeah, by the way, Lana, Lana was still in love with Clark, and she has a little moment with Lois, too. But, uh, yeah. She's she she never really got over it per se. We're then going to skip a little tie-in issue that's only in the digital version, not in the trade I have, called Legacy of Superman. You don't need it; doesn't matter. Just a bunch of short stories of different characters, kind of still dealing with you know, it's, and it's Guardian stuff, that that kind of thing. You know, nothing really important. Uh, moving on though, the next man, this whole thing is longer than John McCain's funeral that lasted like five years. Uh, next we go to Superman, Man of Steel, number 21 by Louis Simonson, John Bogdanov. And uh, we start off, Lois Lane is having a dream. In her dream, she's saving Superman from drowning. Uh, you know what's interesting about this? If you see this, this uh, you know, she's holding this reporter's mic in the dream. It has what appears to be the Illuminati eye symbol on it. Did you notice that? No, but now I wonder what else I missed. It's page 227. Now I'm thinking, man, what other kind of sim- symbols have I been missing this whole time in my What comics? weird shit were the writers trying to tell us? I don't know if I'm just reading into things, but this looks to be a, a clitty, pretty clear symbol that someone decided. We need, our, we need our friend Dan Smots to figure this out. Yeah, we do. We need a full breakdown. Uh, anyway, she wakes up from this dream and she hears there is a flood happening. <laughs> like, and there's a big, the whole river is overflowing and, uh, the underground stuff, the underground is in danger. And she has friends from the underground, as we know from the death to Superman storyline, the, uh, the good underground freaks, the ones that aren't, uh, the ones that did not attack Supergirl and fight with Turpin earlier. Um, <clears throat> we also get, uh, we're, we get a series of flashbacks here, uh, as the Kents are leaving, uh, leaving Metropolis. Like we are getting, we have a flashback here where, uh, like Pa Kent and young Clark are, are, are taking care of this new calf, Bessie, um, who I assume they're eventually going to eat. But in this scene, <laughs> in this scene, they're they're uh, they're really uh, they're tending to Bessie, and and um, you know, Pa Kent is just kind of in the um, in the barn, just uh, just reminiscing, you know, He's saying nobody's here, Martha. How could I be talking to anybody? Um, we go back and we see that uh, oh. <laughs> They also, yeah, they're they're looking at Superman's body uh, over in Cadmus, and uh, then we see that we when we, we we get a number of flashbacks too. We get more more flashbacks like Pa Kent is having a really basically experiencing these flashbacks as he's on the farm with Martha. Um, you know, he's just having these moments where he's he's basically living in these in these flashbacks, like experience them in them and responding that them out loud. And Martha's like, "What the fuck's wrong with this guy?" So he's remembering this time uh, when uh, young Clark was like, "Hey, I made an airplane. Thanks, Pa." 
And he's like, I want to fly. I got to fly now. And then Pa Kent's just saying, someday, son, someday. And Martha's looking at him like, what the fuck's wrong with you, you freak? Just talking to yourself. Uh, meanwhile, the underground freaks are trying to, the good underground freaks are trying to evacuate uh, from this flood. Man, this is like the, uh, <laughs> these group of freaks are like the uh, the freaking cantina on Tatooine. <laughs> like, like, there's just like all these weird different aliens there. Some are, there's a seal, there's a giant frog creature. I love the giant, giant frog creature where they actually just like, they basically use him as a boat and then the the two of the human like homeless guys they get in into this they go inside this frog creature and he basically just like swims them out of the underground so that's that's one way to do it that's one way to get out of the flood whatever works yeah we then learn that maybe cadmus caused the flood we're not sure why perhaps to cover up for their crime of stealing superman's body um we get more flashbacks here we get a flashback of when uh basically we see batman talking to alfred and, uh, you know, Alfred's saying, you know, Metropolis could sure you could use Superman now. He's like, as could we all. And Batman is, is reminiscing about the time that uh, Superman gave him a kryptonite stone. And he said, you know, and then we get the actual flashback where we see Superman's word, he, words where he tells Batman, I have many enemies who have tried to control me and I live in fear that someday they might succeed in that ever in that. If that should ever happen, if I ever lose control, there could only be one sure way to stop me. And Batman says, do you realize what you're asking? Superman says, I do. I want the means to stop me, to be in the hands of a man I can trust with my life. And then we go back to Alfred in the present day. Alfred's like, if, if necessary, could you have used it, sir? And Batman says, I, I would have had to, Alfred, but it's a moot point now. Maybe I should discard it or destroy it. But it's a symbol of his trust in me, and I just can't. So I don't. I think this has probably been in comics a bunch before, but this is probably where I, as a young fan, first learned about uh, that kryptonite stone that Superman gave to Batman that he's always held. But it's it's something that's been referenced in comics, you know, all throughout the years. I'm not I'm not sure when it actually first happened. In I think comics. it was this. I think it was. Well, this is this is not when it happens, but maybe it maybe it didn't happen in a comic. Maybe this is like maybe we first learned about it through this flashback. I'm not sure. Maybe because each time each time I think of Batman ever using the the kryptonite ring, it always came afterwards. Like like recent times, like the past twenty years. All right. Well, if you know the answer, you can email secondprintpod at gmail dot com or shoot us a DM. Slide into those DMs. Uh, we're on Twitter at secondprintpod, Instagram at secondprintpod. Wherever you win nothing but our love and eternal gratitude. You win nothing but everything. Moving on, we get uh, another flashback to Superman telling the Kents about uh, saving this airplane. It was basically after his first public appearance, and uh, it was. Kent's idea it was Pa Kent's idea to wear the costume so like Pa Kent is also like you know again he's bouncing back between these flat like he's imagining these flashbacks but like imagining them happening right now and uh he's basically saying like you know I, this is my fault like I I came up with this idea I thought you should wear the costume and go do hero shit like I this is all my fault so you know he's, he's you know he's going through the again still going through the stage of, of grief now he's kind of going through the I don't know if blame is a stage of grief but it is it is for Pa Kent he's blaming himself for, for this whole thing just like Mitch I got but Pa Kent and Mitch are both taking this uh you know the wrong way uh giving themselves too much credit for the whole situation um but I guess Pa Kent has more of a point than Mitch Mitch has nothing to do with nah. that <laughs> he just happened to be there um, uh, basically now the good freaks have organized and you know, they, they've figured out that Cadmus uh, caused this whole thing and they are basically just marching into Cadmus um, to reclaim Superman's body. They are there to take the body back. They are storming Cadmus 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, let's see. Yeah, they're they're storming Cadmus. They kick some they kick some ass here. Uh, Guardian is basically like on their side too. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, we're we're not trying to. You know, we want see we want to free Superman's body too. So Guardian intervenes um, uh, on these guys that try to stop this whole crew from from taking Superman's body. Uh, yeah, and then basically we then cut to <laughs> give him heck, Miss Lane. Oh yeah, Lois Lane is part of this crew too, by the way, because she has she's friends with these underground freaks. She has that one guy. Uh, I think his name was Kevin. That at the end and the death to Superman storyline, she basically tasked him with being her like photographer underground. Um, so yeah, she's dealing with all that. And then we go and we see like, they're, they're saying like, give him heck Lois Lane, tell him everything that we found out here. So Lois is, is basically writing this story, uh, but she doesn't want to release it. She wants to use, she wants to basically find a way for them to, to give his body back. Cause they didn't, they didn't get the body back. They just kind of like found out about it and then got kicked out of Cadmus. Uh, so that's where we leave off. And then right as this thing ends, uh, we see the Kents, and we see them at the at the uh, rocket site, and they are burying this like this basically time capsule. And um, and as they're doing that, Pa Kent just collapses to the ground, and uh, John and, and and Martha Kent is just screaming, "Jonathan, Jonathan, not you too!" What did you think here at the end? Were you were you concerned about the condition of Pa Kent? That's the part that really broke my heart. It's like my gosh, after all she's been through. Just seeing her son get murdered by a big gray bony alien on TV, and then Pa Kent collapses on top of that. I mean, it's it's been a tough week. Pa Kent is really like the, he's like the he's like the Kenny of the DC universe because I've seen this man <laughs> die so many times. The only other person that could put him to shame is like Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah, Pa Kent. They they always kill Pa Kent, and then they like do some history revision where they didn't really die, but then they're like, actually, maybe we should kill him again, huh? And then they're like, actually, wait, we're gonna revise history. He didn't really die. Oh wait, no, he did. Let's find let's find all the terrible ways to kill him. That's why Kevin Cosner Pa Kent like bugs the hell out of me. It's like really now it's not the heart attack. Now you're gonna have him get literally like swept away by a tornado. That's not many that's not very cash money, yo. <laughs> all right, we're gonna wrap things up here as we go into uh now the trade paperback that I have actually has one more issue that I'll, I'll talk about it. We won't go through it entirely, but this is the last formal issue of the eight-part funeral for a friend crossover. This is Superman number 77 by Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding. And we start things off with a shirtless Lex Luthor doing karate. That's right. Shirtless Lex Luthor. Not only, not only is he Australian, not only is he young, not only has he red hair, but he practices karate with, with chicks, with a bunch of chicks, too. He has like a 15-inch dick, too. I don't know why I'll just throw that in there. Probably has a 15-inch dick, I'm assuming. Uh, this is when we get more of a full flashback in the background of the whole thing where Lex Luthor wore this kryptonite ring to keep uh, Superman at bay got cancer from it. His hand got replaced with like a metal hand, but it was still going throughout, uh, you know, ravaging his whole body. Um, so they did fake this whole plane crash, yada, yada, yada. Now we have young Luther and, uh, this one chick, I guess, cause Luther was kind of busy, distracted, thinking about this whole thing. She gets a lands a nice, like savak kick right to Luther, Luther's face. And he's like, nobody does that to me. Nobody. You, you have no, but that's why he says stuff like bloody a lot. Cause he's Australian, you know, he says you have no bloody idea what trouble you've. And then Supergirl shows up. He's like, Oh Lex, are you still in the gym and so he kind of like you know stops being you know just stops doing whatever he was about to do uh whatever whatever threat he was about to toss out there um and yeah basically let's see do do, do. and uh superman supergirl is basically just there i'm not supergirl supergirl is there with lois lane who is there to show him her story that she wrote about cadmus taking the body she's like i wrote this thing and you know luther's all pissed this is an outrage but he's like look they're gonna cut him up for cloning lex and i'm afraid that if the full story runs they'll just take the 
so they'll, they'll just deny it and take the body. So she doesn't want to publish the story because she's afraid that if she does, then Cadmus will know that everyone knows and then they'll hide the body and they'll say like, no, we didn't do that. So that's why she's bringing it directly to Lex Luthor, who she knows will be upset about this thing because and he has the power to do something about it. Um, yeah, she, she's like, okay, thank God I didn't have to run this story if the Kents had read my story about Cadmus having their son. Man, there's no telling what would happen to them. Well, little does she know that uh, it has already happened and Pa Kent is already in the hospital. So we cut to the hospital. Uh, they don't think they ever really say what happened to him. They don't say he had a heart attack. Oh, well, yeah, they, yeah, actually, no, they do. They say the man is in cardiac arrest. And, and she's, and, you know, Martha's just saying, you know, all the stress with Clark and everything has just really gotten to him. God, I have seen this man die too much. <laughs> yeah, way too much. Well, you're going to, well. No spoilers yet. But yeah, basically, Pa Kent is in the hospital, and uh, we see he's kind of having like more of these flashbacks as he's like, yeah, he's having like afterlife visions here with young Clark kind of uh, going back through the memories. He's seeing Clark in his visions. Um, let's see, Jimmy Olsen. Oh, yeah. Jim, meanwhile, we see um, Jimmy Olsen is like having this meeting where he's like selling all his pictures of the, you know, he's meeting with some like executive of some magazine or something who they want to put together this book, this photo book of a Superman photo book, and they want Jimmy Olsen to pick the cover. And he ends up picking this photo that is basically the same as, uh, it's one of the issues uh, in the Death of Superman series. It's basically like the shattered, uh, the shattered, uh, or maybe it's not an issue, but I think it's an image we see at the end of one of them where where Lois is holding him and we see his shattered cape is in tatters, just like, you know, floating in the, in the air or whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a zoom in. So you never have an actual like single shot of it in the comics, but it's in the background off to the side as, um, as, uh, as Lois is like cradling Superman's body. Right. Yeah, it's it's an iconic image nonetheless, though. And um, we then see this uh, this chick Sasha. She's the one that landed that one shot on Lex Luthor in the training session. Um, she's getting changed, and then she sees someone off screen. She says, "Oh, you! What are you doing here?" In case you didn't read the sign out front, this is the women's locker room. And he, he just hears that is of little concern to me. And you see her get taken away, and she's screaming. So someone is someone is killing her apparently. Um, Let's see. Moving along, we see Lois. Oh yeah, Lois just gets dropped in the woods by Supergirl. Like they were going to to, to Cadmus, but Supergirl's like, "Yeah, this is dangerous, and you're just a human, and I'm a big, and I'm a purple raisin shape shifting uh, woman. That so I have powers, and you don't. So you're gonna stay here." Um, so she's just going off to Cadmus by herself when Lois meets these weird freaks in the woods, <laughs> these weirdos. And I have they're they're called they're they're said that we're outsiders, but I haven't I have no idea who these guys are because they're not. The underground freaks. Lois doesn't know them. I have no idea who these guys are, but they they give Lois a ride and they help them get to uh, get to Cadmus, basically. Uh, so Lois is not is not sitting back. Uh, she's she's getting into the action as she is known to do. Um, and yeah, basically she gets to Cadmus right as she's coming upon uh, Supergirl is, is leaving Cadmus and she is holding uh, Superman's body in this uh, big splash page. And let's see, um, yeah, we, we're getting more flashbacks. Uh, more, we're seeing kind of like. Pa Kent uh, in sort of his dream world getting saved and protected by Superman by Clark while the doctors are kind of checking on him and trying to revive him and they're kind of freaking out because things aren't going uh, so well. Meanwhile uh, Supergirl and uh, Lex Luthor are putting the body back in the crypt because I think it's not public knowledge that I think it's public knowledge that the body was taken but not that Cadmus had it had it necessarily so they put the body back in the crypt Uh, Lois has her wedding ring she takes it off 
and puts it on Clark. So that's interesting. Uh, she puts it on Clark's hand. Uh, so I guess he will, you know, take that thing into the afterlife. Uh, meanwhile, they leave, and Luther says, "Hey, I just, I just need a minute. Just need a minute uh, with with the crypt here, with uh, with Clark's body here." And uh, Luther's alone with the body, and he admits out loud to nobody <laughs> that he killed Sasha just out of spite of Superman. Which that makes total weird. sense. <laughs> it didn't. Which was total weird. He's like, he's like, basically his logic was, uh, I'm pissed that Superman's dead and that I didn't get to do it. But since he's not here, I'm just going to kill someone random that I was mad at because fuck you. Superman's not here to do anything. He's, he's like, if Superman was here to stop me, you know, if Superman was here, he would probably figure it out. He'd like, he'd realize this chick died and he'd probably look into it and he'd eventually figure out it was me. And then he'd stop me and take me to justice. He's like, ah, but no Superman here. So fuck you, Superman. Fuck you. I'm, I'm just going to kill this chick that I train with. And that's it. So weird logic but i guess it's just to help show us that this is indeed even though he is like publicly like not really seen as a bad guy because they think this is just lex luther's nice australian son who just inherited his his fortune um but we know this is actually psychotic lex luther who will just kill people out of to spite a dead superman uh then right as we wrap up this issue pa kent he yells Clark and he sees doomsday's face face in his eye then he sees uh, a death skull and then he seemingly dies as he sees an image of Clark. He says, it's me, Pa. Don't be afraid, Clark. Beep, beep, beep. And that is the end. That is the formal end of, of this crossover of Funeral for a Friend. Yeah, I think we could just cap it here. I think we can cap it here. I think I will... Um, this is the, this caps the storyline here, essentially. I do want to talk about Adventures of Superman number 500 just so that readers know if they don't want to go and read everything, just so you know, spoil it right now. Pa Kent makes it. All right. Pa Kent doesn't really die here. Um, <laughs> um, basically what adventures of Superman number 500 is, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's basically a transition between funeral for a friend into the reign of Superman. Uh, so I will just, I'm not going to go through it page by page. I just want to sum it up to kind of tie this thing together before, cause I think at some point we'll probably look at reign of Superman. So this will just kind of transition us to that. So that in that episode, when I say just go back to episode 57, then you can go back to here. If you haven't heard it yet, listen to episode 57 and just go back and listen to that future episode in the future. But time travel hurts my brain, so I'm just going to stop with this whole thing. Uh, but essentially, that that's an, an issue-long thing of like a Pa Kent in the afterlife, going through this dream world, going through these various scenarios. Uh, at the end of the day, he like reaches out to Clark, and and he sees Clark and senses Clark is alive, and that is what brings him back. So while we don't see Clark back to life, um, we like basically Pa Kent feels that Clark is is alive, and that actually pulls him back to life, and. And at the end of that issue, we see that now not the great the coffin has not been stolen, but we do see that the body is gone. And there have been several reports, like in the days towards the end of the issue, there's several reports of like people seeing Superman. There's like they see him flying by a plane. They uh, there's people saying, "Oh my, like Superman saved my kitten." There's always reports of Superman, and that's why they go and look in the in the uh, you know in the coffin. And they see that Superman's body is gone. So this is of course what leads into the reign of the Superman, where there's four different you know, people playing the role of that are trying to take up the mantle of Superman. We have the cyborg Superman. We have the Superboy Superman. We have man of steel. Who's John Henry irons, who is still, still around in the DC universe as steel. And we also have the eradicator. Actually, all those characters are around in one shape or another, except for that version of Superboy. But just wanted to sum that one up real quick, just to sort of 
tie the whole thing together just so people know that Pa Kent didn't really kick it there. Um, but other than that, I think we can head into our uh, our ratings for Funeral for a Friend. And um, I'll let you start. But it's always it's always tough to to fully grade crossovers like this because you know there's so many different writers and artists. But we do our best. Mine's pretty short and sweet because it's a lot of the same writers as last time. I'm sorry, because it's a lot of the same writers and a lot of the same artists as last time. Uh, my story score will be a bit different, but my art score, I think I'm going to go with what I did last time, which is around 2.5. Like it's okay art, but you know, I, I like a little consistency and I don't like some of the renderings of characters. It's, it's good. Not great. It's, it's 90s basic. I'm going to give it the art of 2.5. But the story, however, the, the story is what keeps its uh, strength going. I liked this a lot better than um, th- than some of the filler in de- in uh, Death of Superman. But like, you have to read Death of Superman to understand a lot of this. So while it had some really good parts in there, I really don't feel like it needed to be eight issues, especially for a few of the issues of just stuff that had nothing to do with it that we kind of glossed over. So I'm, I'm going to be a bit nicer about it. I'm going to go ahead and give the, the story a, a three and a half so i'm giving it a total score of a six out of ten which you know sounds really bad when i say it out loud but i mean it's 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 good not great yeah, I, would, I would i would generally agree with your overall thoughts um i'm i'm gonna be a little nicer on the on the uh, on the on the ice on the ice i'm gonna be a little easier on the art score but not much easier i'm gonna give the art a three um i thought it was pretty good yeah pretty much what you said it's pretty good not great but you know i'm just gonna be a little more lenient there and give give a three overall i thought there was nothing really offensive and i thought each issue had pretty good art some some very good art but never great art so i'm just gonna give it a three on the art and then yeah like with death of superman i remember like i was really i think i ended up giving it an eight overall like i was i was very pleasantly surprised that how much i actually enjoyed the entire progression of that story um whereas i kind of thought to myself you know maybe this won't really hold up as much you know maybe it's just I'll be like, okay, come on, just get to it. Just get to the final battle. But they really did a really good job in that one, building up Doomsday, building up everything into that final battle and that final moment. And uh, it really held up. This one didn't quite hold up as much to me. Like I did have fond memories of the aftermath. And I, I like the earlier um, issues in this one a lot better. Like when we saw the initial aftermath of everyone dealing with the death and the grief uh, and you know, th- everything with Lois and Bibbo. And I thought their reactions to the death were, were really good and really felt genuine and human so i thought the writing was pretty good there as the crossover went along um it was clear that it just they were kind of dragging out the funeral for a friend portion of it a little bit because i think they just wanted to extend this whole thing out over the course of like a full year uh so it took it took some time to finally get to to the whole thing with pa kent seemingly dying having the heart attack and going into the sort of afterlife thing with clark uh which technically kind of leaves on a cliffhanger at funeral for funeral for a friend since that adventures of superman 500 big issue that i talked about isn't technically a part of that but overall i enjoyed the i enjoyed it but it didn't hold up it didn't suck me in quite as much as the you know looking back at the death of superman issue so i'm going to give the writing a 3.5 um so together it's only only a little bit higher than you uh that's a grand total of a 6.5 between the two of us that is an spc score of 12.5 which again, like you said, doesn't sound great. Um, but I would, I would still, I would still consider this like a record. Oh yeah, I would still recommend if you haven't read this. If you haven't read this, I would still say it's a pretty. I, I don't know if I want to say essential reading, but it's it's reading you might want to do. It's historical. So much of su- of future Superman stories reference this era. It would be really hard for you to understand a lot of things without having this 
knowledge. If you're a fan of the Superman character and you're a fan, a fan of the DC mythos overall, then I would say this is just essential reading to have the knowledge of what really went down there. And, and I think this entire thing, this entire arc of death, um, a funeral for a friend, reign as Superman, return to Superman, it's all definitely essential to the core Superman mythos, and it's all stuff that is referenced. It's all canon, basically. You know, no, no matter what version of Superman we've had since then, this stuff has always remained canon. They've already always kept this storyline, uh, the the Doomsday stuff, uh, the 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 four Supermen returning, all of that stuff has always been part of of Superman canon, no matter what they've done to the character. So I imagine, and now and now that everything matters, it's really going to stay as part of the canon. So uh, I would definitely say. 12.5 doesn't sound spectacular, and it's not spectacular, but I would still say it's worth reading if you're a fan of everything that I do. Completely agree. All right, well, I'd say that about wraps it up. Again, as always, if you support the show, if you love what we're doing, if you enjoy these conversations, uh, please do head over to the Patreon. Consider tossing us five bucks a month, helping us do this thing, helping us grow this program. Uh, you can find out more about that at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where we have tons of bonus content, tons of different tiers. Uh, you can produce an episode at certain tiers. You can join us for a monthly call. Just so much to check out over there at patreon.com slash second print pod and of course easiest way to help us out a five-star rating and a great review over on apple podcasts that helps us not fool i don't want to say fool the fool the algorithms into uh, telling you to listen to the show it's accurately telling you the ag- algorithms that people that like comics and this sort of podcast should listen to the show so please do that uh it takes uh you know nothing more than two minutes of your time and it's it's probably the, not not probably it is the number one best way to help this show besides Remzo, anything else adios muchachos we've got more stuff coming up this weekend and so much more always be sure to check out secondprintcomics.com as always i'm Remzo w martinez and i'm the Read comics! Change the world! Good night, America. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.